Uh, but it is, it is so good to have you here today. And we were just talking about the fact that this week is just being one of the, I mean, I mean, we briefly went into it. It's just been this one of those weeks, right? And sometimes that's, that's the walk of Christianity. The Christian walk is not always easy. It's not always straightforward. Sometimes you, you feel like you take a step forward and then you, you take two steps backwards. Or you slip backwards. Sometimes it feels like you're moving sideways more than you're moving forward. It's almost like um, forward driving on mud, right? You sort of slide sideways more than forward. But the Christian walk, the journey of any Christian is, is one of those that is not always easy. We can get easily discouraged with the way that it works. It doesn't work in the way that we so wish, right? I mean, I tell you what, when, when we got the email, we got notification of, uh, on Tuesday, of all this AC and NC stuff and all the extra work we had to do, I, I, we weren't singing Cool By Yard at that point in time, right? There wasn't, oh, let's just rejoice. <laughs> there was, what on earth, this is not the right time, and all the processes and everything else. It's like, this is the busiest time, don't they have any sense? You know, we're a church, it's coming out at the Christmas time, can't, they, can't we like put it on pause for a month and we'll do it out in January when we're a bit slower? You know, like you feel like you're taking one step forward and then you take two, it's like a dance, isn't it? You take one step forward and two steps. Anyway. Um, yeah, we, we won't get in the twists and the, the spins and, you know, whatever else. Um, my wife used to be a dancer, so I'll just, I'll hurt myself. Anyway. <laughs> and I don't need to hurt myself anymore. <laughs> but the Christian walk is all about faith. It's about remaining steadfast, holding on to the promises, applying the word of God, grabbing hold of the hope that we have or grabbing hold of little bits of hope and just holding on them through the ride. It's like, it's like going on a, a ride at, I don't know where else, uh, like a theme park and it's, it's one of those really scary rides and they give you one of those bars to hold on to and you're like, you're on it now, you can't get off, it's too late, I'll grin and bear it. Right? That's sometimes what the Christian walk is like. It's like, I'm just going to grab hold of my faith, I'm going to grab hold of some sort of promise and ride this through. Sometimes it's going to take a lot of refocusing. You know, like, oh, did I get that right? Maybe I should change an adjustment. It's realignment. And oftentimes, you know, because we all do this, right? We all find ourselves falling short of where we want to. Right? Not quite making the mark, not quite getting it right. If you want to call it failure, you can call it failure. You can call it whatever you want. But it's those times when oh, I just didn't quite make it. And when we find ourselves falling short, what we actually need to do is understand that there is this process that God takes us through called restoration. Salvation is that process. It's the beginning of that process. So when we actually dedicate our lives or make that decision for Jesus Christ, the first thing that takes place is the Holy Spirit begins to restore us to our rightful place with the Father. Actually, there are 33 different things that takes place within the believer through that process of restoration. That's another message next year. So I won't won't spoil my thunder now, but I just want to get onto this concept of or understanding so we can start getting the process of understanding that restoration is a process that God does and he takes us through could love. 
but it's not just a single process that happens in our lives. You know, you give your heart to Jesus and I am restored. It's this ongoing process of restoration that takes place in my life. It's like having a relationship with your spouse, right? There's this constant process of being restored, you know? We have a fight, restored, right? Well, hopefully it's restored. It's through the restoration process, right? And the same principles that come into place when you're talking about your relationship with your spouse is the same principles that come into place when you're talking about your relationship with God. God actually gave us this picture of relationship or covenant relationship with our spouses or marriage in order for us to better understand our relationship with God. And in any sort of relationship, restoration is important. You can't go through life with another person in a relationship and never have to be restored. If you're doing that, man, I want, you should write a book and then sell it because you'd make a matzah. Because every relationship I've ever had is this constant process of having to work through it and be restored. Right? Restored back to where that rightful place of where that relationship should be. And if anyone's married in here, which I know a lot of you are, anyone would understand that marriage takes a lot of work. There are going to be disagreements. There are going to be fights and tears, right? There's going to be people who get sooky and people who get disgruntled and people get offended, right? And it's all about restoring and bringing forth that re- uh, the restoration. And there's always going to be one person who's going to have to swallow their pride and apologize, which is what I had to do this week at some point in time, right? I realized I had... Not being sensitive enough. Uh, <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> no one can laugh at me. Because <laughs> you've all got your own issues, right? <laughs> right? No marriage. And I had to go, and I realized, you know, I've, I've missed the mark, right? So I had to go into Mel, and I had to apologize and put things right and restore the relationship. And she was so gracious to me. You know, she didn't throw me out, which was great. You know, we were just able to reconnect and, 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 and move forward. You know, we've learned this principle. The relationship is more important than the issue, right? We had this perspective when we, uh, that we wanted to continue this relationship no matter what, that we wanted to work through all our issues, and there have been some good ones. And it's just a constant process of one of us has to humble. One of us has to swallow our pride. One of us has to bring that point of saying, hey, I messed up. And you know the greatest thing that we have relationship with God is this, that he already paid that price. He already swallowed his pride. He already sent his son to die for us. So all we have to actually do is acknowledge the relationship and come in and point and say, God, I messed up. And the restoration process begins again. And he restores us to our rightful place, our position in Christ Jesus. I mean, because we all know what it's like, right? You you sin, you fall short of the glory of God, and and you just feel lousy, right? You feel all the shame, you feel all the condemnation, you feel so foreign from God, you don't feel anywhere near where you should be, right? You want to be my example? Sure. Okay. Why don't you stand up, darling? She's a beautiful example. Um, 
You can play the part of God. <laughs> well, I, I wasn't going to do it. In, <laughs> right? I'm trying to be humble. <laughs> right? Right. So when you have a relationship with God, right, the Bible says that God never leaves you nor forsakes you. He is always with you, right? And the reason why that is because his presence is tangible. It's everywhere. So God is always near you. He's always with you. He never leaves you nor forsakes you. We come along and we, begin, we sin or we fall short of the glory, whatever you want to call it, right? Fall short, mess up, whatever. It's not that there is actually a separation between us. It's that the shame and condemnation begins to turn off our spiritual awareness of who God is, our consciousness of who God is or where he is. And so we feel distant to God. But the reality is God hasn't moved. He hasn't changed. He's actually right there with us. It's just that shame, that condemnation that begins to separate us. The Bible says that no, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing not sin, no nothing. God has already paid the price. He sent his son to die for us, to bring forth the restoration, and that restoration is eternal. It's forever. But our shame, our condemnation, what we feel when we have fallen short is what actually begins to trick us and make us feel that we are actually separated from God. You did a phenomenal job, darling. You can sit down. <laughs> Smart. Huh. And we don't often think about the fact that, oh, God is right there with me. Because what we feel, and this is where the problem is, right? You can make decisions based upon your feelings and emotions, but oftentimes they're going to be wrong. Right? And when we're in this place of shame and condemnation, if we don't, if we are not aware or we don't become aware of where God is, what we actually begin to do is drift. And we drift away from where we actually should be. And this is when it becomes really dangerous. Because then we have a tendency to be stupid. And we have a tendency to do other things that we shouldn't do. Oh, I'm not good enough. I don't feel good enough. And it's okay because now I'm not, I'm not close to God. And God doesn't love me. And I don't feel near Him. So I'm going to do other stuff and all this other stuff. And look at me, I'm so bad. And God's yet, He's still walking with you. He's still talking to you. He's still trying to connect with you because he loves you. The only problem is we're not aware of him because our spiritual consciousness is blinded by our shame and condemnation. Nothing separates us from the love of God. And all it actually takes is a turning. Because that's what repentance actually means. It means a turning away. I turn away from my bad choice and I turn to God. It, becomes, it then becomes, allows my spiritual consciousness, and I made this word up, right? But it should be a word. It should actually make sense. It should actually be part of doctrine, right? Your spiritual consciousness actually begins to awaken and you become more aware that God is right there, that he never left us. It's like, I know when my family's not at home. It's quiet. I know when my kids aren't home, it's quiet. Or you can hear this typing. No, just to the moment. I am acutely aware when I am by myself in my own home. Don't you just love it when you just, I'm just off now. 
And the whole process, what God does, and he knows us, right? Because God created us. This is the greatest thing, right? When God creates his creation, he understands his creation. He knows our ins and outs. He knows everything about you. He knows how many hairs on your head. For some of us, that's a little bit easier to know, right? But he knows how many hairs on your head. He knows what your fingerprints are. He knows what your favorite things are. He knows what your likes, your dislikes, your giftings, your talents. He knows everything about you. And for some of us, he still wants to be our friend. In Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 to 8, it talks about the fact that this is, um, this is a, a, a conscious thought that Joseph, Joshua is having. And it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. Let's see if I can find this. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with, your, with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and they shall give it to them as an inheritance. And the Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. This is Old Testament. You go to the New Testament. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Nothing, nothing that we can do will ever put a gap between God and us. Nothing. You can't commit enough sins because he's right there. And all it actually takes is a restoration process and it starts with repentance. Putting things Right, bringing back to order that which is out of order. And this doesn't give us a license to sin. Oh, yeah, I can sin now. I'm going to do whatever I want because I know I can repent, put things right. right? There's an actual term for it. It's called lasciviousness. And we don't have it. Grace is not so that we can sin. It's so when we do sin. Because then we begin to walk in the favor of God even though we don't deserve it. And God loves us with a love that is so hard to comprehend that oftentimes we can't. Now, I love certain characters in the Bible and I have a whole list of them that become that are like my favorite, right? And one of them is Peter. Funny enough, it's Peter. We, we get on well with the house on fire, aren't we? But Peter is such an interesting character. Peter is often referred to as someone with foot-in-mouth disease. He has this tendency to put his own foot into his own mouth. Not literally, but it's a figure of speech. He's the one that in one moment, he's saying, you're the, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the next moment, Jesus is going, get behind me, Satan. But Jesus has this encounter, right? They're in the upper room and Jesus says, I'm going to have to die and, and I'll go to the Father. And, and Peter rebukes him. He says, no, 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 not on my watch. And Jesus says, no, but you'll, you'll deny me three times before the rooster grows. And as they come out of the Garden of Gethsemane, they arrest Jesus. They take him into the, the high priest's his chain room and Peter follows at a distance. This is Peter, right? He always follows at a distance. And they... They call him out three times and Peter denies being with Jesus on three different occasions, right? 
And at this point in time, Peter's feeling so much shame and condemnation. He's feeling like he's failed big time. The rooster crows, it sinks in. He remembers what Jesus has told him and he's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? This is a really important moment because something takes place after the resurrection. Jesus is crucified. He gets put in the tomb. He's there for three days and he's resurrected. Peter is one of the disciples that runs to the tomb. So we can automatically pick up from Peter that he, he wants to be restored. He knows he's, he's in shame. He knows he's done the wrong thing. He so desperately wants to be reconnected with, with, his, with his master, with his Messiah. He spent three and a half years following after Jesus. Jesus has brought him so much hope, so much purpose. He's called him and he's, he's anointed him. He's purposed him to lead, you know, to lead the disciples, to take the message on further. They all have the same perspective that they believe that the Messiah is actually going to be a literal king, going to save them from the Roman Empire and restore Jerusalem to how it's supposed to be. Of course, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Peter begins to lose hope. And one of the funny things is, when you begin to lose hope, you return to your old ways. You begin to, to look to your old ways because it's familiar. It's a, a barrier of being safe. And this is what we do because when we, when we fall short and we don't know how to restore the relationship, what we end up doing is we, we tick it back down to our old ways. We find what is familiar to us because there's safety in familiarity. And this is exactly what Peter does because where does Jesus find him? He's fishing. Now, Peter was called out of fishing. He was a fisherman. Jesus saw him and said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. And for three and a half years, it's pretty, pretty easy to say that Peter never fished again until this moment. And this moment, he's with the four, three other ones, right? It's Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, right? And they're fishing in the boat. And Jesus comes down. And he has this encounter, you know, like they've been toiling all night and Jesus says, put your net on the other side. So they go, oh, all right, put the other net on the other side and they catch all this fish. And Peter recognizes, oh my gosh, that's the Messiah. And the Bible says he, he didn't even put on his garment, so just so you understand, they used to fish in their sort of underwear-ish. Right? And he just, he just runs. He, just, he wants to get back to the beach as quick as possible because this is Jesus, right? This is all his hope is in Jesus. Everything he needs is in Jesus. He spent the three, last three years with Jesus. Jesus took him out of this lifestyle and he thought he lost Jesus. Now Jesus is back here again. He wants to be back to where he was. He wants that restoration process. And there's a couple of really interesting parts, but in John chapter 21... So when they had finished breakfast, because what Jesus actually does is he actually, he actually starts cooking breakfast for them. He starts cooking fish. Right? Here's a really important note. It is biblical. If you want to actually get through to men, feed them first. 
So in John 21, verse 15, it says, So when they had finished breakfast, right, Jesus understands the principle, Jesus said to Simon Peter, now that's important. Simon is the name that Peter carried before Jesus renamed him. And he refers to him as Simon Peter because Peter has actually returned or gone back to what is familiar, gone back to his old ways. And he says, Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. I want you to understand, this is really, really important, that Jesus speaks and asks a very similar question three times. Right? Now, Peter denied Jesus three times. Now Jesus is asking him to tend his sheep three times. This is actually a process that Jesus is taking Peter through to restore him to the rightful place that he should be in. And Jesus is always looking to restore, always bring back that which we should be in. God is the God of restoration. Jesus is the Lord of restoration. Everything about the kingdom of God is trying to restore us to our rightful place. When we fall short, restore. When we're not walking with him, restore. Bring us back to that place of restoration. And the main purpose of all of that is love. It's driven by a heart of love. See, when you love someone, you want to have that restoration. I know when I'm not right with my wife. Right? I know when we, we've, I've done the wrong thing and, and, and something's not right and our relationship's not sitting right. I don't feel right. I just know. My spirit is not working like it should be. you know. And I know that I need to come to that place and bring restoration. This is a similar thing. But everything is in the details. Everything is in exactly the details of what's being said. And this is the problem we get with English, right? Because English is a bad way of translating. We use words or we determine the meaning of the word by context. In the Greek, it's a different word that gives the context. So when Jesus starts to begin saying, Simon... Do you love me more than these? That word love is not what you think it is. It is the word gape. And the closest that we can come to appreciating or grasping the word love in that context is the word unconditional. But that's as close as we can come to it. It's such a a broad concept or such a, a hard principle to sort of grasp hold of but that word love where jesus actually says simon do you love me do you love me unconditionally can you go through whatever i need you to go through but peter doesn't respond in the normal context of replying the same level of love he actually responds using the word aphelio and the word aphelio actually means brother like a uh, love like a brother I love my brothers. 
I love my friends. I love my church. I love you. I love Brad. It's not the same. It's not the same love as agape. There is another type of love. It's called euros, which is the love that a marriage will have. It's in the context of sexual. It's not that kind of love. It's in the context of filio. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me unconditionally? Peter responds, I love you like a brother. Then he says, tend my lambs. Then he says a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? That's unconditional. Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I affiliate you. Shepherd my sheep. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? When he says it the third time, Jesus actually shifts. He doesn't use the same word agape. He actually uses the word aphelia. He meets Peter where he's at. And he says, Peter, or should say Simon, do you aphelia me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I aphelia you. Jesus will always call you to a higher place. He will always call you to what is your full potential. But sometimes we're not ready for that. And so there are times that Jesus will then meet us where we are, where we are at. In this occasion, Jesus' intention is to restore Peter to his rightful place. Put him into his rightful place. Bring that restoration back of relationship. Restore him to where he should be. Peter had fallen short. Jesus brings in restoration. And he will always restore us to the point or to the point that we will allow him to. See, I have found that God is a good father. He's a good, good father. He knows us and he will give or bless us in whatever means possible to the level that is best for us. And sometimes what we need to do is we need to grow and we need to mature and we need to build to the point that we can receive all that God has for us and stop receiving only at the level that we're comfortable with. God is not always the author of every experience we've ever gone through. But he will use every experience we've ever gone through for his will. He can take the nastiest experience we've ever seen, we've ever been through, we've ever heard, or whatever it is, and he can use it and restore us and then cause his will to actually flow through that area if we will let him. God is always able to turn our darkest experiences to the benefit of the kingdom of God. And Peter goes on from this point and he starts leading the other 12 disciples. And upon the day of Pentecost, Peter comes out and he preaches the first message that any of them have preached after Christ's resurrection and 3,000 get saved. Why? Because of the process of restoration. Now I know I know, I know, I know that God wants to restore each and every one of us with or fueled by his love. 
He wants to take you from wherever you've been. He wants to bring restoration. He wants to bring the healing that is necessary. He wants to bring His love and just restore you like you've never before experienced. He wants to fuel you and empower you to do all that is necessary for you to reach your fullness in Him. But He can only restore us to the level that we let Him. And what He has for us is greater than what we understand. And when we fall short, here's my recommendation. Turn quick. Turn quick to the point where you should be. Move closer to Him. Actually, this week I had this conversation. No one's here. It never really... Yeah. And I had this conversation with this person. We were talking about that they had gone through, you know, not like a situation no one ever wants to go through. Well, actually... I mean, most of the situations we ever go through are not ones we ever want to go through. But in this context, he, he experienced something or they experienced something and it wasn't pleasant and, and we were talking about it and there was, there was all these different things. And I come away from the meeting, it's like, you know, there's so many things that get said from here, right? Read your Bible, pray, worship God, be in thanksgiving, come to church, fellowship. These are really basic things. But oftentimes it's the basic things that we don't actually do that cause us the most havoc. Like if we do the basic things, the difficult things become so much easier. And it's like that in everything we do in life. If we get the basic things right, the difficult things are easier. That doesn't mean they're not challenging. That doesn't mean you won't experience them. That'll just mean they're easier. Like we've gone through as, as a as a married couple, some, some, some things that are not very nice. But we learn certain principles that no matter what we go through, if we have the basic things good, then we can get through those things. Read your Bible, praying, giving, serving, going to church. Simple things. Simple, simple things. Doesn't mean the bad things won't happen, the difficult things won't happen. But it does mean that you'll get through them easier. And the start of the whole process, we've got to come back to that place where we want to be restored to the level that He wants us to be restored at, not the level that we're comfortable with. Which means we're going to have to get out of our comfort zone. <gasps> That's not good, is it? No one likes to get out of their comfort zone. No one likes to be uncomfortable. No one likes to step out and do something a little bit different. It's scary. It doesn't feel right. But the only way to grow, the only way to expand, the only way to move forward is actually get out of your comfort zone. It's to step out in faith, knowing that God is with you always, that He never leaves you, never forsakes you, that He's, excuse me, He's right there with you, walking through the whole process, that you're not alone. It doesn't matter how hard it is, you keep going. You keep being steadfast. God, I know you said this. I know you said this. I haven't seen it, but I'll keep moving. I'll keep moving forward. I'll keep moving forward. Even if it feels like I took one step forward and two steps back, I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to keep getting these things right. I'm going to keep restoring my, my life back to you. Every time I mess up, I'm going to repent, put it right. 
I'm going to understand the principles of salvation. I'm going to understand the principles of restoration because you are a God of love who loves me unconditionally. And nothing that I can ever do can ever separate me from the love of God. Therefore, there is nothing that I can do that can remove me from His presence. And the only thing that can is my feelings of shame and condemnations that I let come between me and Him. It's not that God moves. It's that we don't sense His Spirit. We don't sense His presence. We let the shame and the condemnation rob us. And the devil has a field day. And too often I get so frustrated. Oh my gosh, I get frustrated, that punk. He comes in and he loves to, he just loves to whisper the rubbish. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Oh, you've ruined it again. God doesn't love you. You're not his favorite anymore. You've messed up. One too many times, buddy. No, no. You can't. Get back on the road. Get back on the path. Repent. Put things right. Bring back the order. Whatever stopped you or whatever pulled you off, let's remove it. Let's get serious. Let's get out. Let's get it out. Like I believe so hardly, right? I've been sitting there praying for like months. God, what's 2024? What's 2024 going to be like? What do you want to do? What's the theme? What are we going to do? What's the message concept? And all I keep hearing, all I keep feeling is faith, 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 faith. Faith, 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 faith. 24 is a year of faith. 24 is a year we step out. 24 is a year of doing something differently. And even right now, I'm sitting there going, God, if you want me to step out in there, there has to be a, I need something. I need just something. Just something that this is going to work. Because I'm willing to take a leap. I'm willing to take a jump, right? I get kind of bored when I'm sitting still for too long. It's not ADHD, right? It's called frustration. And I want to take a leap and I'm like, God, you, you just got to give me this little bit, right? Like Gideon. It's like the, the throw the fleece out. Just give me this little bit. Give me this little bit. Let me know. Let me know if I take that leap that you'll catch me. And then I'm, I'm not leaping in the wrong direction. You know, it's like, jump, son. I'll catch you. And then they jump in the opposite direction. No, this way. Right? All I want to do is make sure I'm jumping in the right direction. So I'm praying and I'm seeking God and I've fasted and I've been doing all these things. That God, I just want to be in that place. I want to make sure that there is nothing separating us or that I feel there's nothing separating. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no nothing. And there's, there's, there's nothing that encumbers us. God, just talk to me. Just talk to me. Just let me hear when to go. Yep, let's go. Because I know, I know next year is going to be crazy. Crazy year. Crazy year. Right? The world's over here saying this. And we're over going. Doo, 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 doo. Right? And all I'm asking is, you know what? Come jump with me. Let's get on the cliff and let's jump together. Let's just go, you know what? Let's let God and let's just have some faith. Let's believe. Let's let him restore us, let him do whatever he needs to do, not to the level of our comfort, but just to the level he wants. Because I know he wants to catch. And I know he wants to do something. And this, this is just, I mean, like, it's just moving. I just, I just know I've I got to move this year, next year. I've got to move. I've got to do something. I've got to do something that I haven't done before and I've been waiting for the right moment and I just know it's coming. 
and it scares the bejeebus out of me. But the good thing is I don't do it by myself because the Father catches. There is that moment of time when you're in midair, like, I hope he does. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're far from him, or you need to reconnect, you need to uh, dedicate your life or whatever else, then I invite you at the end of the service to come and meet me, come and talk to me, and I will take you on the journey, or I'll lead you on that journey back to the Father. But if you, I don't know if you're sensing it or what are you feeling, but if you, if you, you just want to let God be God in your life. Let's put it that way. You want to let him do whatever he wants to do. Then what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite you to stand up because I want to pray with you. I want to stand with you because I'm standing. I want God to do whatever he wants to do. However crazy that might be. Whatever that might look like, however scared I may be, I just want to let God be God. And it's scary at the moment of jumping, but later down the track, when it all makes sense, you're like, wow, God is so good. God is so good. Father, you see every person. You know them. You know their stories. You know what you're calling them to. You know what you're going to ask them to step out in. You know how they might be a little bit fearful. Or Father, we just ask that your peace would just come upon them. Father, I come against every, shame, every bit of shame or condemnation that might creep in. Those feelings are not being good enough, not being worthy enough. I don't have it all together, therefore God can't use me. And I come against those lies in the name of Jesus and I rebuke them. They have no place. They have no place in your creation, your children, your sons and your daughters. Father, I speak a supernatural gift of faith upon your people in 2024. And even as we finish 23, Father, let us finish strong and let this be a time of just bringing that restoration to the level that is necessary to begin to step out in faith in 24. Father, I declare your mercies over all your people. I declare your covering and hedge protection, your favor and your word, your love that cannot be separated from us. Father, we declare the goodness of you. We declare your love, your restoration in Jesus' name over your people. Amen, amen, amen.